Hi, friends. Thank you for joining us on Food for Thought. My name is Sunil Chandy. This is uh, Food for Thought, a ministry out of Christ Episcopal Church. And usually I'm in my in the church sanctuary, but today I'm in my office. And so, uh, you know, it'll it, it's uh, it, we could do these video uh, podcasts from anywhere. And so I'm, I'm exercising the freedom to do it from anywhere. So anyway, thank you for being with us. And if you are here with us today, please let us know. Uh, today is a live program, and uh, we have a wonderful guest who will offer us great wisdom and uh, and learning, and also insight into dealing with the challenges of of the day. Um, and so, if you are here, let us know. Let us uh, say hello. Tell us uh, that uh, that you're connecting with us, and and so that we could connect with you also. And also, let us know if there are, if there are things that you'd like to. Uh, any questions that you might have, even about today's uh, episode or, uh, or any uh, question whatsoever. Uh, that would be really wonderful for us. Um, so uh, we, are, we are in the, uh, in the midst of Lent uh, we, for the Episcopal Church and, and for liturgical churches uh, throughout the country. It's, uh, uh, we have um, uh, five, uh, six Sundays in Lent. And uh, this is the fifth Sunday that we're coming into. Then we'll move into Palm Sunday. And then from there, we'll go into uh, Easter Sunday. And, you know, and the season in this season uh, is a very uh, interesting one for, uh, for us in the, in, the in, in the church tradition and actually all uh, faith traditions. We're trying to figure out how to uh, come back, I think. There's a sense that we're trying to re-engage our various ministries uh, in in a in a in a positive way, especially as we come back from come out of this uh, Lent this wilderness experience uh, of the pandemic, and uh, yes, I put those two together: wilderness, pandemic, because we have been in a wilderness as it as it as it seems. And so, um, throughout the readings of the uh, of this Lent, it's 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 as if the children of Israel. Uh, which we read in, in Hebrew scripture, and then the New Testament scripture, which talks about Jesus and his journey with the disciples, uh, all, all journey together. And, and that journey is filled with danger. It's fraught with frustration, worry, anxiety. And, uh, and in the midst of that journey, though, God is present. God is present, available, and alive, uh, helping us to understand and see things in a new way and helping us to reorient our lives as we reorient uh, them towards God and towards one another. Uh, and as we move into the promised land or as, as Jesus moves into with his disciples into Jerusalem, then from Jerusalem facing the cross and into, into uh, the resurrection experience. And so uh, we we're all journeying together. And that's one of the themes that, that comes out in, um, in all of the lessons. And it's interesting because uh, I, I was reflecting on the lessons this morning about, um, I was reading the lessons for Sunday, this coming Sunday in uh, the Gospel of John. And it's, uh, it's from uh, the Gospel of John, uh, chapter 12, verses one through eight. Um, and it, it's really the story of Jesus uh, who is sitting at dinner with uh, or at, at, uh, at a meal with, 
uh, Lazarus, a man whom he had just raised from the dead, Martha and Mary, his two sisters, and uh, and Mary takes some uh, a, uh, a costly perfume of nard and she places it, puts it on Jesus's feet and um, and anoints it almost and with her hair. And it's just a very intimate experience. And then um, it says in the scripture that uh, the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. And then uh, and then there's Judas Iscariot. It's it's interesting in the Gospel of John, Judas Iscariot comes in and and he says, well, why wasn't this why are we doing this? Why wasn't this perfume uh, sold and the money uh, that that this expensive perfume could bring could feed many different people? And uh, and then Jesus says simply, you know, look, don't don't bother Mary. She's doing what's appropriate for the the, the situation right at this moment. Judas, leave her alone. Um, and, and then he says that, that you'll have always the poor with you, but you won't always have me with you. Uh, I thought that was a really wonderful interaction. But part of it is what I really like about it is here is Jesus, right? According to this, uh, our Christian tradition, he's raised the man from the dead. Um, and then his disciple is watching this. And and this is like an you know, an, a miraculous experience. And yet the disciple is worried about um, the perfume that uh, that's being poured on his feet. Uh, there's a disconnect there. Um, you know, part of me was saying, well, Judas, didn't, didn't you just recognize this? There's something life transforming in this moment, you know, and here's this, Here's this Jesus who's done this miracle, and uh, and that should change your worldview and our worldview. Um, and it just got me to think a little bit about, uh, you know, the way we see the world. Sometimes the way we see the world is, you know, we like to say, "We uh, show me, and I'll believe." It's, you know, see it and then believe it. But there's a part of me that says that, you know, we see what we want to see. We believe what we, we see what we believe in first. Um, you know, Judas could have simply said, you know, this is, this is God, uh, according to the, the faith of uh, of many of our uh, of Christians, this is God, and you know the source of he is he is fully uh, you know present in this Jesus, and he is the source of all gifts. Why why worry about perfume? You know, it, but rather, um, I think Judas discounts the miracle in some way. It's kind of like when we go in life, we live life in a way where we're doing miraculous things. There are things that are happening that are just so um, providential in our life, but we don't recognize it. We think uh, we get caught in, in the anxieties of the moment. You know, folks, we're coming through this pandemic. It's a been through a miraculous kind of situation. Uh, 
a situation where many people have died and many people have been uh, effect, adversely affected. And yet we come through this and we, part of us, part of our experience is saying that there's something just ordinary in this, but we've just been through an extraordinary experience and it is, there's something miraculous here. Uh, but we tend to focus in um, on the mundane rather than the miraculous. That's part of why we have um, the show today and, and every, every show that we do is, is to kind of help us to realize that in the mundane, God happens. And, and in the challenges, God continues to produce miracles and so that we don't just concentrate on the mundane. And our guests that we usually have are people who help us to recognize this, the miraculous. Today's guest is, is one that will help us, I think, understand the miraculous in our lives. Um, his name is uh, Dr. Hezekal uh, Landau, and he is uh, one of our speakers for our program, our Lenten program, A Journey Through the Wilderness, Exploring Faith from Different Religious Perspectives. And he will be speaking uh, to us on Wednesday night here at Christ Church in our program. And Dr. Landau was a, a professor of Jewish tradition and interfaith relations at uh, Hartford Seminary in Connecticut, where he held the chair in Abrahamic partnerships and directed the building Abrahamic partnership training program for Jews, Jewish, Jews, Christians, and Muslims. And in 2016 to 2017, he was the adjunct professor at the Boston, Boston University uh, School of Theology, teaching a week-long uh, courses on skills, tools, and sensitivities uh, for interfaith leadership. Um, he has uh, been involved with a lot of work in uh, in various seminaries and institutions. He is also a dual Israeli-American citizen and is an interfaith educator, leadership uh, trainer, author, and consultant working to improve Jewish-Christian-Muslim relations and promote Israeli Palestinian peace building for over four years. Uh, he earned a Bachelor of Arts from Harvard University, a Master of Theological Studies from Harvard Divinity School, and a Doctorate of Ministry degree from Hartford Seminary. And so Ben, uh, please uh, welcome Dr. Uh, Landau for us. Hi, Doctor, how are you? Shalom, Father Sunil. Thank God I'm doing well today. Hope you are too. Great to be Hi, with you on this program. I am doing well now that you're here on this program with me. I think it's great. <laughs> yeah, I was uh, resonating strongly with your message about the miraculous and the mundane and how we, the question is whether we need to believe in order to have faith or whether we have faith and then we can see the miraculous in yes. our midst. And um, yes, in my own life experience, I have, found that if we align our will with the will of God, then God can use us as instruments. And uh, we are then God's partners in consecrating space and time and bringing uh, the redemption of this world closer or the messianic fulfillment, however you want to describe it. Yes, I love that. I, I love to describe it. <laughs> Um, uh, uh, can you hear me uh, well? I was sort of, you can't. I can great. hear you very well. Okay, great. Um, 
you know, uh, Dr. Landau, you've, you've done a lot of really wonderful work uh, throughout, uh, you know, your life, uh, especially with uh, involving the Israeli-Palestinian and uh, Christian dialogue. Can you tell us a little bit about that? I, I'm really deeply interested in that. Okay. Well, I'll start by saying that uh, I moved to Jerusalem in 1978 in order to put my body where my prayers had already taken me as a Jewish believer and practitioner. And Jerusalem is the epicenter of uh, the divine ecology for us. And um, prayer and pilgrimage as for many Christians and Muslims as well as the third holiest place in Islam. It is an amazing place for the convergence of different ways to serve God and bring ourselves closer to to God and God's purpose for us. So, um, yes, being a Jerusalemite is now ingrained in my whole being, wherever my body is on the planet. So, um, my my work, my ministry, we might say, which I took with me back to the United States in 2002 to Hartford Seminary, uh, is motivated by this conviction, and this is the tagline on my business card as well as my website, <clears throat> creating spiritual remedies for our social pathologies. Mm. Mm. So, and, and there's no greater laboratory than Jerusalem, our common holy mother city, to put into practice this conviction that... Uh, our social and politi political problems, challenges need spiritual remedies because yeah. the, the politicians alone can't shift the paradigm on their own from yeah. war to peace, from conflict to cooperation. And, and this, is, this requires deep spiritual discernment and commitment. So that's... That's what I try to model in my own life. And I try to find interfaith partners uh, within the Abrahamic family, uh, my spiritual siblings, as well as fellow Jews, uh, in order to consecrate, uh, to be partners in consecration rather than partners in desecration, which we managed to do quite successfully every day, not just in the Holy Land, but around the world and the suffering of the Ukrainian people at this very moment accentuates how far we have yet to go yeah. to, uh, to experience the love of God at the deepest level. Yeah. You know, these are two, these are two faithful Christian nations within Orthodox Christianity, Slavic peoples who are now slaughtering each other, yeah. you know, the, the, and the Ukrainians, I don't want to make a symmetrical analysis here because it's not. The Ukrainians are being um, assaulted by uh, Russian aggression and uh, people are dying and people are fleeing their homes and their country. And it is just, uh, it's deeply sad, especially because this is Lent uh, for Christians of the West and the East. And so I, you know, I, I cry I cry, uh, my heart is broken. So I, 
though I've lived through wars and uh, intifadas, two of them in the Middle East, so it's uh, it's more of the tragic reality that reminds us uh, to go deeper and to come together across faith boundaries in order to uh, redeem our common history and to heal our wounds, which we've been inflicting on each other for millennia, and often in the name of the sacred or the holy or God's name, which is adding insult to God to the harm done to other people. Yeah, no, I, you know, I, I agree with you. And I think, uh, you know, it's interesting when you're, uh, you know, uh, I went to, to Israel in 2012 and, uh, and I, it was like a it was a wonderful eye opening experience. And part of me was, you know, I, I romanticized the 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 idea. You know, I mean, I, I walking on the land that Jesus walked on, and Abraham walked on, and Jacob, and 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 so forth. But then there was another part of me that understood something very very uh, different as I experienced it on the ground, and that was when you know. I was coming on LL um, airlines and I coming in and, and, uh, and, and I would see people being having an orientation towards prayer. I mean, whether you were, you were Jewish or Hasidic Jews or, or reformed Jews, or whether you were, uh, you know, Palestinian Arab or uh, I mean, um, Muslim, or if you were an Arab Christian, you know, it. All of them seem to have this. Uh, th my experience of the people there, and maybe, and it again, it was limited, but the people that I met, all had this orientation towards prayer and humility, and uh, and I, it real, it actually, it actually, it was kind of uh, jarring for me because I expected a lot more conflict. And maybe I maybe it's because of the people I was speaking with, and 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 but what I saw was a, uh, you know, even even for, uh, on the plane over at LL, I, I had I was sitting next to uh, several Hasidic Jews from Brooklyn, you know, <laughs> they were coming to to uh, to do pray at the wall, right? And 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 they took time, and we just started to talk, and it was just amazing. The orientation was the the conversation was really pretty powerful for me because the the way we were looking at each other and we were the way we'd see our face our faith allowed us to see each other in a different way um, and I think that's what the orientation of of faith does to us um, and I'm wondering. You know, when you have those deep dialogues with uh, with people, especially in one of the most conflict-ridden uh, places, but also one of the most holiest places for people, you know, how do you orient them to see the holiness in each other? Uh, <clears throat> that's a very deep question, um, especially in Jerusalem, where, um, and I mentioned this in. Uh, tomorrow evening's conversation, it, uh, it is a place where not just uh, Jews, Christians, and Muslims and other Abrahamic sibling communities come together, but I think it is a place of healing and messianic hope 
down deep underneath the politics which divide us and uh, contaminate our discourse fed by media reports every day of violent actions. Peaceful relationships do not make the news media. So our information is skewed and we have to realign ourselves to God's purposes for why we're here sojourning on earth. Uh, and I'll, re I'll reflect on how the wilderness experience is a preparation for consecrating time and space, especially in sacred venues like Jerusalem. And for those who've not been there, they may not know that in the old city of Jerusalem, which is really all Jerusalem was until about um, 150 years ago, uh, within the, the walls of the old city, um, you have a Jewish quarter, an Armenian quarter, a universal Christian quarter, and a Muslim quarter. So I sometimes analogize this to a human heart with four chambers. And, and the, the virtual blood uh, vessels connecting these chambers are blocked by the political divisions. So we have to do some kind of spiritual uh, cardiac um, intervention in order to make this uh, sacred blood flow uh, freely. So to me, uh, Jews and Armenians and Palestinians, the three national communities that share Jerusalem today, they're all suffering servant peoples who have experienced massacres, desecration of the flesh and trauma, two on a genocidal scale, first the Armenians and the Jews in the last century, and the Palestinians were massacred just about it by every other group in the Middle East, including fellow Muslims. And so why has God brought these three traumatized communities together in our time? I think there's a transcendent purpose there. We need to heal our wounds and overcome our victim scripts. And, and, and without transforming our victim scripts to victory and vindication scenarios, in which we win at somebody else's expense. Somebody, we win and they lose. And if you've been on the losing end of history because you've been powerless and other people have abused you, uh, it's, it's very tempting to say, okay, now the shoe's on the other foot and I'm now gonna uh, treat them uh, the way they, they have treated me. That it's either us or them, that kind of dualistic worldview, which I think is radically wrong and dangerous and it ends up distorting the golden rule, which Jesus, Rabbi Jesus, to me, one of my great rabbis, um, he said, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And a virtual contemporary, Rabbi Hillel, said, put it in a double negative rather than double positive. What is hateful to you, don't do unto others. So we, that's a whole discussion on uh, religious ethics. Uh, is it to minimize harm and to maximize uh, saintliness? Okay, I would say the Jewish perspective is is uh, has a lower bar. Uh, yes, we don't even believe in saints. Um, but the, the 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 spiritual and moral tragedy for me, on top of all of the physical harm that Israelis and Palestinians suffer and inflict on each other, 
is that the golden rule is distorted into do unto others before they get a chance to do it worse unto you. That's called the preemptive strike mentality. Yeah. No. It doesn't no. make anybody more secure. It just you know, feeds the hatred and the and the uh, the fear, the anger, the grief that keep us locked in conflict. So the, to me, the operative questions are, how do we transform fear to trust, anger to acceptance and ideally forgiveness, mutual forgiveness, and grief into compassion for the sufferings of others? Yeah. Yeah. How do we how do we become less self-absorbed? self-referencing and appreciate we're uh we're all in this together and that's so clear to me uh in jerusalem whether i live whether my body is there or not jerusalem is always in me and that's the message that you know and jesus too from the mount of olives says you know you people you don't know the things that make for peace and comparing jerusalem to this mother hen uh, yeah. Taking care of her little chicks, beautiful imagery. The parable, the parables of Jesus, are some of the most profound uh, spiritual teachings in any scripture on the planet. Yeah, I agree, and I think, I think part of what I uh, what I most appreciate uh, about the scriptures uh, and and also for our scriptures, the Christian scriptures around Jesus, is, is the idea about helping us to see each other. To see each other in 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 our to see each other and to see the brokenness and the uh, and to acknowledge uh, God's presence and image in the in each other, you know it's interesting. You started off the conversation when we were with uh, we started talking a little bit about the Ukraine struggle, and and I, you know, there was one uh, at the ons onset of that struggle. I I remember. Uh, seeing a, a YouTube uh, video of Zelensky, um, and he's speaking to the Russian people. And he's basically saying, you know, this is who we are, and, uh, and see me. It was almost as if it was a prayer. You know, um, you know see, see who we are, uh, and don't... Don't believe the lies. Don't believe, you know, the, we're the same people who who worked with each other, who hung out at the bars with each other. We're the same people who uh, went to the same schools and everything. We're human beings. See us for who we are. See the humanity within us. And, um, and I think that's what the scriptures kind of, especially when we're dealing with... Uh, situations in violence and it's not supposed you know it's hard it, it's it's hard to you know when you've been hurt by your brother you the first in instinct is to hurt back and say you know i got to get you back but at the end of the day when you see that your brother ha ha is, is lying dead or i'm and i'm really hurt and incapacitated then you realize that the violence doesn't really help that's that's true Yes. And yes, we need a pastoral approach to our politics, which we don't have. We have more punitive than pastoral, also in our criminal justice system. Um, and um, so we say we stay stuck. Yeah. In mutual suspicion and, and the blame game. 
Yeah. It's the other the the other person's fault. And at most, I'm ready to take the second step toward my adversary if he he or she or they take the first step. I'll respond, but I'm not gonna go out on a limb because that might make me more vulnerable. Right. Yeah. Just just when you talk about seeing uh, God and the other, when I think of Jews, Palestinians, and Armenians together in Jerusalem after centuries of of suffering and, and aspirations for freedom and dignity uh, and a different kind of spirituality. We thirst for, for a healing, healing love. And this is a holy land that's being desecrated by violence and injustice. And it's uh, the, the, the contradiction is painfully obvious. So for me, the convergence of Jews, Armenians, Palestinians in God's holy city uh, is a way to teach us experientially what Jacob learned after he wrestled with this nocturnal being a whole night and walked away wounded and with a new name, Israel, wrestler with God. And so by the next day, when he encountered his estranged twin brother Esau after 20 years, he can say to him, I see your face as though I am seeing the face of God. That's what we have to see in each other's faces and and hearts and souls. And we don't. We don't. So we have we have a spiritual blockage that needs to be unblocked. So that goes back to the whole kind of uh, stenosis of the spiritual coronary arteries. That's right. In our in our in our physical hearts and in our spiritual hearts. Yeah. I love that. I love that uh, that the way you described it in terms of Jacob and Esau. Um, so, so switching gears a little bit in terms of uh, you know the wilderness experience that we have in America, you know, or as we uh, in you know we're coming out of this this pandemic and and through this pandemic, also um, one of the things that you know we we've we're coming out, we're still in the midst of it, I think, and we're completely out of it. But, but in the midst of this pandemic, we found that we, we found a lot of unrest. Um, there was a lot of social unrest at the very beginning of it. And, um, and also it, you know, our political divides are laid bare, you know, like whether you're conservative, Republican, and it's hard to see the face of God in, in, in the other and the other is our brother here a brother or sister in america who you know and it's and and it's still hard to see that how um how does the wilderness experience help us to see uh in the face of the other our brother and sister how does god allow us to to transform okay before trying to answer that deep question i just want to reinforce the challenge that you're presenting to us. Um, in the midst of this global pandemic, which has caused so much pain, loss, grief, trauma for so many people, in the midst of that, we have uh, the whole um, police brutality, police injustice question, which George Floyd's murder at the hands of Chauvin, the pol police, men in um, Minneapolis, that accentuated that ongoing challenge of racism, systemic racism in this country. 
And then we have the whole political crisis over democracy and who's a legitimate uh, president and vice president at the moment. And the violence of January 6th, 2021, the insurrection, the, the unprecedented attack on our nation's capital uh, and the, the threat to our elected representatives, uh, including the vice president. And, and you, I would have thought, and I certainly prayed and keep praying that the crisis of the pandemic on top of the ongoing ecological crisis that threatens to destroy humanity, those, <laughs> those two global threats you would think would inspire us to work even, together, even out of self-interest, if you don't want to say love and compassion, out of self-interest to change the paradigm on how we see each other yeah. and That's how right. we define ourselves. If we think, we, if we demonize one another and say they are our existential enemies and we can't negotiate and find common ground with them, well, then you have a self-fulfilling dynamic where peace is not possible. A peaceful resolution or transformation of the conflict is ruled out. It's, you know, how do you negotiate with the devil? If you demonize your adversary, then uh, you're really far from, from what God wants you to be and do. So something is wrong with this picture and something seems to be wrong with our spiritual discourse and maybe with the religious education that people get. Yeah. Across the board, I'm not going to single any community out because we're, in a sense, we're all complicit, actively or passively. We're, at the very least, we're, we're all stakeholders in this process, and we have to step up and take responsibility and turn our prayers into committed action over the long term and not just wait for, for God to intervene and save us. I, I, you know, I, I think, you know, part of the... Here's where, yeah, I, you're, I agree. I, you're, you know, you're, you're right. It's so, it's so comical. It's even funny the way, you know, it's like so crazy. Yeah. But, if you see, if you see the film, don't look up. Yeah. There's a comic take on our insanity. Yeah. But here's the, here's the thing I think that's hopeful that I, that I think. So in the wilderness, you know, actually, actually, let's go back to the to the idea of, of the children of Israel coming out of Egypt and 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 being lost in that wilderness for 40 years. You know what? And and so I kind of parallel that to our experience of being lost. And we don't know how to be civil with one another. We don't know how to be human beings together. You know, right. and that's the same thing. I mean, when you're treated like a. a like chattel or human human slaves, you're 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 kind of like you're you're coming out of that experience, and you you don't know how to behave, and so you need rules of engagement or you know some the, some commandments that tell you, hey, look, this is what you, how you treat with one another, right? But right. at the end of the day, it's about learning how to trust each other, and 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 the God that creates us. And and that is that's yes. one, of the, one of the gifts out of that wilderness experience, and I think that's the same type of wilderness we're in at this particular time. It's it's when we make the choice to trust in in God who creates us, and also trust in one another 
that we will follow uh, rules that will help each other and guide each other and, and be community. I, I, I can't agree with you more. The Hebrew word for faith is emunah, based on the root for trust, imun. Okay? It is not belief in a certain theological doctrine or proposition. It's trust. It's rooted in the heart, not the mind. Okay, but we have all kinds of mental machinations that convince us that trust is not feasible, it's not possible. We can't trust those people. Um, and we think God is on our side is, and is our commander in chief in a spiritual war. Uh, and I don't have to tell you that in Christianity, there were five crusades in the Middle Ages in which people literally thought God was commanding them to go to Jerusalem and liberate it from the Muslims as if they weren't consecrating that space. Um, so for me, the wilderness is, and I've taken desert retreats as often as I can to get away from Jerusalem or any other city and to be in that vast space and that transcendent silence. So a message comes through at a deep level. It's like your spiritual tuning fork is attuned to the message from God, which is beyond words, beyond words. It's, it's an intuitive sixth sense beyond our normal five senses. And if, why did the Israelites have to spend 40 years in the desert? A whole generation that had been enslaved had to die out. And before people moved into Canaan and transformed it to the land of Israel, uh, and and became farmers and merchants, they were wanderers, totally dependent on God to feed them with manna, right? They wanted flesh and got quails that uh, turned to rot in their mouths. Okay, God was trying to teach them, listen, the rules are different here now, okay? Uh, and you have to be prepared to really take responsibility once you go into the land of promise to consecrate it. Uh, first, you need to be weaned, not just from Egyptian polytheism, but from a whole way of seeing yourselves as powerless slaves without responsibility and accountability. And now, yes, we, uh, and, and from then on, we Jews have been pilgrims wandering figuratively between Sinai when we got our walking papers and the mandate to be consecrators uh, and healers and to be a kingdom of priests and a holy people. Uh, but Jerusalem remains our destination, our spiritual home and the epicenter for, uh, for our mission on this earth. And, and for me, I ask, okay, why are the Jewish people still around? Before we even talk about what a Jewish state means in God's holy land, which is a laboratory for consecration for anyone who lives there, why have the Jews survived as a tiny, tiny people compared to Christian and Muslim empires with with many more people and, and great power? So I think uh, that's my question for for me, my community, and beyond. Uh, what is our responsibility now within? the divine ecology okay we've returned to our natural habitat the land of israel palestine and jerusalem now what 
okay? The Jewish Homecoming Project uh, has created a state, but it's in a state of war from even before it was created in, on May 14th, 1948. So we need to, to shift our whole understanding of what this is all about. What means serve what ends? And we are, as you suggested, totally confused. And in America as well. Okay, we created nuclear weapons and they can destroy all of us. So, and they almost have. You know, my bar mitzvah was like three days before the Cuban Missile Crisis. Mm. Yeah, so I was welcomed into adulthood in my religious tradition and I came to realize immediately that the adults running the world couldn't assure me or anyone else in my generation a future. And that's one of the reasons I've been a peacemaker my whole life, because from that moment, I realized, okay, this can't continue like this. We're an endangered species because of ourselves. Yeah. And we can't, we can't even acknowledge it, that we are creating global scorching and floods and, and melting ice caps. Do you know that in Antarctica right now, it's 70 degrees above normal, 70. And at the North Pole, 50, 50 degrees. So now the United States and Russia are going to be competing over natural resources in the Arctic for the first time in history because yeah. the waterways are opening up. It, the, you know, you know, I know, I know, I know. I, it's we've been the, to the moon. We've been to the moon and back. And we see the earth as a great blue marble with no boundaries. Yeah. Yeah. And we haven't even taken that in appropriately. You know, okay. I, I, but I tell you, even when I'm pessimistic, Father Sunil, I remain hopeful because of my faith. I'm, I'm pessimistic in the short run, but very hopeful in the long run. The question is how many casualties have to be endured until we 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 shift our paradigm you know i think uh, i agree with you i, I mean uh, shifting of paradigm so back to that question about uh what is the purpose for for israel right i mean it's survived all these years and and uh it would be great hubris to 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 assign a purpose for this wonderful nation but i know that the gift that you uh, that the the that the Jewish the Hebrew nation uh, that Israel provides the world is 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 a witness part of the for me it's the witness that of what what shouldn't happen and what should happen. Yes, yes, you we know? have negative commandments and positive commandments. And yes. Isaiah said, "You are my witnesses." Yeah. And yes. And and it and so, you know the existence of, of even the nation of Israel right now is, is just for me, a sign of, of God's hope for the world and, and, and continuing hope that we will be able to learn from our mistakes and learn how to be a people that uh, can live together in the promised land, you know? And so, you know, Dr. Landau, I'm looking forward to having you, to meeting you in person. And I'm looking forward to having you come for that Lenten program. I know that, uh, and this has only been a, a, a foretaste of, of some of the conversation that we're going to get into. Um, and we and our time is 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 up almost. But I I I'm looking forward to that, and I'm just so grateful that uh, 
that we are coming into contact. I, it's a, a blessing for me as well. And for those who might have uh, wondered whether they should come tomorrow evening to your church to continue this conversation, I hope this appetizer has uh, uh, inspired people to come for the main course. You, it will, it will. And, um, and I'm looking forward to, to being with you in, in general. Well, thank you. you for your gracious hospitality, and uh, I look forward to it as well. All right. God bless you. Shalom. Blessings. Blessings back at you. Uh, I, 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 you know, I had to end that conversation quickly. I wanted so badly to go on, but we've been gone, uh, going on for about 45 minutes. And I, I, and I hope that uh, those of you who are able to come will be able to participate in uh, our final um, Lenten presentation. It, uh, the whole uh, presentation was a journey through the wilderness, exploring faith from different religious perspectives. And Dr. Landau is the is our final speaker, and um, and so we're really grateful that he is here, and as well as all of uh, our previous guests. And uh, we want to thank, especially Hartford Seminary, for helping us uh, find uh, speakers such as Dr. Landau and also Dr. Ansari. And, uh, and Joe Lohr, especially, uh, who is the president of the seminary. We want to thank him especially. Our uh, program will be also live streamed. So you'll be able to, if you can't come in person, hopefully you'll be able to, uh, to watch it online. Uh, but as is uh, our tradition here in this program, let's end our time with prayer. And uh, we'll just do a simple prayer. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Gracious God, we thank you for the many gifts that you've given us. We thank you for the wisdom that you give us as we converse with people and uh, people from people who have great insight from different places and different experiences. We pray, Lord God, that you will allow us to use this insight to help us live uh, in the present moment well, to live and work through the wilderness of life and move towards the promised land that you promise for all people. Bless us in our work and in our conversations. In God's name we pray. Amen. Join with me in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Friends, go in peace to love and serve God. Spread the light of Christ, the light of hope and joy and peace to the world around you. The world needs it right now. Thanks for watching. Did you know that you can join Christ Church from anywhere in the world? If you're feeling connected to what we're doing, email us today at communicate at Christchurchwesterly.org.